All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, March 14th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, you know, last week, we're coming off the heels of not just a huge weekend for the Batman, but a huge weekend for the B.O. Boys. We had Scott Mendelson on the last episode, and the fans loved it. And we had to go out and do something, you know, listen, not not to top Scott Mendelson, but to keep the momentum going And I think we've done that because we have a very special guest today. He is a movie expert, a movie biz insider. He's a horror, specifically horror insider, but he knows everything about all these genres. The host of the New Flesh podcast, Brett Arnold. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you guys so much. Happy to be here. And there's, I mean, what pressure I feel having to follow Scott Mendelson, the box office king himself. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to have to do it, but you're the one who will do it. Yeah, I took, have faith in you to bullet. not embarrass yourself. Thank you. I, the, the pressure's on. Um, and before Clayton plows through this weekend's, are you going to plow through a five or a 10, Clayton? What, what what do you guys want? I mean, I can do a 10. I can do a 10 if you want, although seven's going to be tough for me to say. But uh, what do you guys want? And uh, now you definitely have to plow 10. Now we have to do 10. We yeah. got to hear you say the, I'm assuming, Bollywood release or something. Yeah, so uh, like you, I'm feeling the pressure, but pressure does create diamonds. So uh, before we get to the diamonds and the plow, Brett, why don't you just tell all of our listeners, our wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people, people. Uh, what the New Flesh podcast is? The New Flesh podcast is, in a sentence, a podcast about horror movies uh, and all things related to the horror lifestyle which includes watching all the horror movies that come out in the movie theaters, uh, supporting your local horror con. I'm just kidding. We don't really do stuff like that. But we're supportive of all the horror things that people do. Uh, We basically review all the genre releases that come out in theaters as they come out. Occasionally, we'll interview filmmakers. I'm hopefully talking to Ty West ahead of X next week. Um, and when there's not a lot of horror releases, that's when we start doing franchises. And we've covered all the major horror franchises, sometimes even twice, because we've been doing this podcast for so damn long uh, that our opinions have changed. If well, you that's, that's when you know a podcast is successful, when it really starts repeating itself. So <laughs> Yes, we're doing Hellraiser again, so that's how you know we're crushing it. Yeah, because sure. yeah, if you had only done it once, then it probably meant the audience didn't like you guys. But the fact that you're doing Hellraiser is all over again, it's, it's, it's really going well. So great job. Yes. And what I like about The New Flesh is it's the reviews, but it's also the news, because we here oh, love yeah. the business talk. So it's, of course. you give us a lot of news up top, and that is what we are going to do right now. We're diving right into the biggest news of the weekend. Clayton, can you plow the top 10 of this past weekend's box office? I will do my best. Here we go. Number one, The Batman, $66.5 million, down only 50%. It is now at $239 million in its second weekend. Number two, Uncharted, $9.2 million, down only 17%, lost 150 theaters. It's at $113.3 million in its fourth frame. Number three, Out of Nowhere, BTS, Permission to Dance, 
made $6.8 million in only 803 theaters. This is its first weekend. Number four, Dog, made $5.2 million, down 15%. It lost 100 theaters. It's at $47.6 million in its fourth weekend. Number five, Spider-Man No Way Home made $4 million, down 10%, lost a measly seven theaters. It's at $792.2 million in its 13th weekend. Number six, Death on the Nile, $2.4 million, down 12%. It lost 135 theaters. It's at $40.7 million in its fifth weekend. Here we go. Number seven, another newbie, <laughs> Radhi Shyam, made $1.8 million, also in only 800 theaters. This is its debut. Number eight, Sing 2, made $1.6 million, down 2%. It lost 38 theaters. It's at $155.8 million in its 12th frame. Number nine, Jack Ass Forever, made $1 million, down 24%. It lost 354 theaters. It stands at $56.2 million in its sixth weekend. And number 10, Scream made $469,000, down 18%, lost 189 theaters. It is at $80.9 million in its ninth weekend. That is your top 10. Wow, great job, Clayton. And I think you nailed the number seven title. I can't confirm it, but it sounded good to me, and that's all that really matters. So before we get into the big, big movies on here, I actually want to start with, because we've got a horror expert in here, we've got Brett from The New Flesh in here. Number 10, Scream, Five Cream, is up to $80.9 million. We know there's a sequel coming. We know that this was a big success. So out there in the horror community, Brett, you know, you, you've got boots on the ground, bloody feet on the ground out there in, in the <laughs> horror land. What do you give the most credit for for why Scream has has overperformed so much of the box office or maybe just performed the way we all should have expected? Yeah, I was early in predicting it was going to do well, but just because I always say that horror is going to do well because... I'm sure you guys have been doing the show long enough to know that horror, they often like, they love to under predict what a horror movie is going to do. They love to like undersell it so they can be like, wow, it, it, it crushed expectations. And I feel like that happens all the time in the genre. Um, Scream, I guess it's, I think it's lasting power had something to do with the word of mouth and the movie being good. Um, I definitely was skeptical going in and was totally won over by the movie. Uh, as like a Wes Craven fan, it was definitely, uh, you know, scary to think that other people were going to make this movie. But these, the guys who made it are clearly such fans. And it was like a labor of love. And I think it just I think the quality of the movie really helped. But I think people it came out in January, right? People were starved for anything, especially like an actual grade a horror franchise movie because january used to be this dump month and it still sort of is but you know i don't know what if it was american sniper or what january release really changed how how some studios see january but i love that a movie like scream can open to what like 32 or something 
in January. Yeah, it opened. I think the three day was thirty two million. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I think yeah, I think you pretty much nailed that. It the movie was good because if yeah, this, I mean that does matter surprisingly. Yeah, it it matters on a movie at that level for sure. You know, like Spider Man didn't have to be that good to at least open to two hundred fifty million. Oh, for sure. But I I, I would argue that. It is the fact that it is quote unquote good. The I mean, I guess it's like you know splitting hairs at this point because it was always going to make a bajillion dollars. But I feel like it is holding on a little harder than it would have because people just really fucking love this movie. It's almost at one point two billion worldwide. Yeah, it's it's. Oh my god. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. But yeah, Scream I think gave people what they wanted. And we're yeah, it just delivered. Keep, we're gonna keep getting more of them, but guys, yeah, we gotta they're talk turning about it around. They're turning it around like they did in the '90s with the Scream movies. They're, this one is shoot will will be shooting and plans to be out by next year, I believe. Yeah, you know, which I think now Clayton here, you're 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 the resident Scream guy. You know, I love Scream, but you live and breathe Scream. I think that's actually not a bad thing because Scream Two famously came out in the quick turnaround and that's probably yep. the sequel people have the most fondness for and then yeah. scream 3 is the one that had some more time in between and then that was a disaster so maybe with scream you almost want to have them on their heels turning it around quickly yeah that's the key to a successful scream sequel is not enough time you have to just crank it out shoot it and get it out by next october that's the move or I guess January now is their their release spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and the and, and the script can't be done. It needs to be there needs to be a leaked fake dummy script that comes out. All the That's things right. that we love about being Scream fans. But I agree with this five cream. It is now on Paramount Plus streaming. I watched That's it right. again at home. This movie made eighty million dollars in the theater. Now it's available at home and it's gonna get people excited for that streaming service, but also get people excited for this next one. And the fact that it's going to come out so soon, I think is a good decision. Yeah. It's just, they really painted themselves into a corner. What are they going to call this one? Scream six, scream 2.2 or something, you know? Well, the the original (laughs) title of scream two, I believe was scream the sequel. Ooh, that'd be that'd be a fun nod. And I feel like there's a possibility of that. I love that. I think that's a great idea because I don't know what else you could do other than just bite the bullet and call it six. Yeah. Well, there's also the like Halloween, the 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 David Gordon Green Halloween naming conventions. They could call it Scream Kills. (laughs) Yeah, Scream Screams. You know. (laughs) That's Scre- good. Scream louder, scream and then louder. scream, and then scream loudest to scream seven. <laughs> Just get really redundant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that might be the way to go is to start adding. Which they have never added a second word to no. the scream sequel, so that would be a big change of of pace. And I'm on the record on the podcast defending the the decision to call it just Scream, the new one, after making fun of it when it first came out, because the movie does a good job, I think, of justifying it by, you know, meta explaining what they're doing. Um, But my buddy on the podcast, Jesse Hassinger, my co-host, he had a good point where like, he's like, yeah, they could have titled it something like, you know, like one of the requels would like scream a new legacy or something like that, because what they're doing now is I don't know if you've seen 
what Scream looked like in that interim before it was on Paramount Plus when it was just on paid VOD. But it had this really hor- horrific looking poster that just said all new movie yes, above Scream. I, I did it was very that. low rent. Yes. That's that's something that, you know, it looks low rent, but if more movies did that, maybe even on their theatrical posters, you know, that could be something to catch people is you're walking by a movie theater and it's like, uh, what is this going to be, a re-release? And that's like, no, this is an all-new movie. It's like you're having a dialogue with the post. Yes, yeah, which, you know, people need to talk to somebody when they're walking around a neighborhood. So, guys, yes. we got to get into the big story of the weekend is, I got to say, this, the Batman, the hold. This was the hold from the Batman. It only dropped 50%. I mean... Unbelievable. I, uh, amazing. Scott Mendelson the great Scott Mendelson from Forbes, he was talking about how if the Batman dropped in the 60s, even if the Batman dropped as high as 69%, you don't get nervous. That's just is, is what happens. And we've seen that, you know, definitely since the, the post, quote-unquote, post-pandemic box office, big movies, even if they end up having legs long-term, they always have these, Huge 60, 65%, 68% drops. We saw it with F9. We saw it with Black Widow. We saw it with Venom. That is just the way it is. The Batman only dropped 50%. I mean, I'll start with you, Clayton. What is going on here? How was this possible? We did not think this would be possible. 66 million second weekend off of, uh, it's, it's incredible. Well, people like this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's as simple as that. I think they were starved for a blockbuster after Spider-Man came out and it's still going strong, but people want something else, another big event. Doing a little uh, work here on Deadline, Anthony D'Alessandro doing God's work showed that if you back out those previews, that $21.6 million previews from Wednesday and Thursday, you would only get a 41% drop, which is amazing. And Whoa, this is a that's crazy better hold than Batman v Superman, which dropped sixty nine percent, which is obvious. Dark Knight Rises dropped sixty one percent. Justice League dropped fifty six, and even the Dark Knight dropped fifty three percent. So this is incredible. Any way you slice it, yeah. This is uh, and listen. I, I don't know how long you've been listening to the Bo Boys, but but in the history of our show, Chris Nolan he'd become a, a dead horse. We we whipped this dead horse many times in the pandemic, so I, I hesitate to bring him up. But I gotta say, this is a great victory for Warner Brothers that they could look at Christopher Nolan after he left the studio, made a big deal of he's got to bring his Oppenheimer, and Brett's given the middle finger in the Zoom, <laughs> not towards me, not towards the Bo Boys. He's pantomiming what Warner Brothers must be doing right now to Chris Nolan because, like Clayton just said, The Dark Knight, the the, the Batman movie that everyone points to as the, the surefire number one, dropped 53%, but The Batman only dropped 50%. That is something that Warner Brothers can, if they see Chris Nolan down the street, they could yell out the side of their car, only a 50% drop for The Batman. That's huge. And they're not even going to bring up Tenet. It's too embarrassing. No, no. I mean, those drops and those weekends, I mean, again, he's a dead horse. I hesitate to bring him up. But but the Batman beating the Dark Knight's hold is incredible. It shows that they've really got something here with Robert Pattinson as the Batman. 
And, uh, you know, it also shows that there really should have been another movie that came out this weekend because yeah. people are ready to come back to the theaters. Mm-hmm. That was my question for you, B.O. Boys, is if Turning Red, for example, had opened wide like it was originally going to, do you see that number of being affected or do you not think it's affected because there's, you know, not c- comparable films? I mean, there would have been some level of people, there were definitely people who had to be going to the Batman this weekend because they were determined to see a movie in the movie theaters. And if Turning Red was there, some of those the Batman people would have seen that instead as the other big movie. But, you know, they're not the same audience. There's Listen, there's Turning Red kids who definitely went to go see the Batman. Oh, yeah. I had a screaming parent take their kids out of the Batman on that opening Wednesday night fan first screening that costs like $30 or mm-hmm. something ridiculous. I went to that and yeah, I feel like there's definitely a, a, a contingent of parents who don't know that the new Batman movie is not for children and probably took their kids. But you know what? I blame the fucking marketplace for that mm-hmm. because the only movie you can take your kid to right now, uh, they've already seen Spider-Man surely and they've probably already seen Sing 2 which is in week 12 mm-hmm. and still hanging in there. Yep. It's just like unconsciousable uh, to me that Disney did not put out Turning Red in theaters. Like, I know they felt burned by Encanto, but Sing 2 came out after Encanto and proved that, it, you know, theatrical windows or whatever still work. And I think someone should lose their job over it. Yes. And that person... Maybe Bob Chapek. And, you know, they, they may say that he's losing his job over other things, but honestly, we if all he loses his job, <laughs> we'll say it's because Turning Red didn't come out the week after the Batman. I mean, I'm, they're leaving. I know they don't care because they have subscriptions, and Disney Plus means they get money every month from people. I understand the business. But conservatively speaking, they're leaving what? Like 70 to $150 million on the table? Like, it's just, it would have made a good amount of money. It's a Pixar movie. And Encanto made $95 million yes. domestic. I know. It's like they just, it's like, I guess that's pocket change to them or something because they truly acted like Encanto was like the death of everything. You yeah. Know? It's, it's very strange. And that's a movie that was also affected by the fact they pre-announced when it would become yes. on Disney Plus. So it's so it's, stupid. You never, everything ends up getting discounted down the line, you know, like a, a shirt that is two hundred dollars. Someday it's going to be at Old Navy, and it'll be it'll be eleven dollars. But you don't pre-announce that <laughs> at the place where you start selling it at the high price. So, so there was never a reason why Encanto had to have a Disney Plus release date when it came out. A hundred percent. If if Turning Red would have come out this weekend. I think that would have been a much bigger hit than Encanto. The the feedback is it's a much better movie. Yes, that's another thing we keep ta- we keep coming back to quality, like with Scream and the Batman, and no diss on Encanto or Sing Two or anything. But Turning Red, I've seen it, and I haven't really enjoyed a Disney movie in a long time because I'm you know a thirty year old man. But this one feels like the Pixar movies from when I was a kid, where oh these are like perennial classics that are going to be shown to kids forever that will be watched in schools because like not only are they good movies but like teach kids something about life and this 
is like an example of that. And it's crazy. And on one hand, it's cool that millions can watch it at home and they will and it will be huge in that regard. But man, what a missed opportunity. But but here's the issue with that. I don't understand there be any there there have any reasoning for something being home exclusive. I understand theatrical exclusivity. Yes. That makes sense to me because you give them one place to go. It, it, it is, and I mean, I mean, we're all cutting the shit here. We're all cutting the shit equally about this. But it is, it is insane that Disney did not put this in theaters. It paid for the amount of promotion for this movie equivalent to a theatrical release, mm-hmm. and yet it did not put it in theaters. This movie could have made twenty to thirty. It could have made forty, maybe, because people are still going, like you said, out to sing the too. The buzz, there's, yeah. There's nothing for little little kids now. I've heard that this movie is more about puberty. And so it might not be for the littlest of kids, but also Pixar is now for middle-aged adults. It is made by middle-aged adults, maybe Mm -hmm. even older than that, who are staring at their navels. That is what Pixar is now. And Disney, they've got to realize that the novelty is off, so not all Pixar movies are going to just be blockbusters like The Incredibles, like Finding Dory, like those kind of movies. They've got to realize if you are putting out movies like Soul, like Luca, like this movie, the, the, the ceiling is lower. But that ceiling is still hundreds of millions of dollars. And if those aren't good enough for you because they come from theaters and you just want subscribers, then I don't know, I don't know what you're thinking because the theater is such a important part of revenue and to turn your back on that it just seems stupid and brett you said something before you say you saw turning red which will get to to your full theatrical experience but you said it's a good movie sure. it's a type of movie that down the road it's good enough that teachers could show it in schools but but i think that the problem is teachers do not show movies in school that never had a theatrical release you know, maybe <laughs> Ken Burns, Civil War, stuff like that, sure. Yeah. But, but but you're not watching Return of Jafar. You're watching Aladdin. Exactly. And that is the difference with a movie that doesn't get that theatrical release, that doesn't have the $100 million, $200 million box office, box office that we're talking about on the B.O. Boys, that Scott Mendelson's writing about. If it doesn't have that history behind it, it's not going to become one of those perennials that People remember forever. They got shown in schools. The Batman with this incredible hold. The Batman is going to be shown in schools someday because of this box <laughs> office. But something like Turning Red is not going to become a perennial because unlike Finding Dory, you know, it's not going to have hundreds of millions of dollars worth of history, worth of success to point to. And they're doing a disservice to their own properties by not putting them in theaters, not creating that legacy that people could point to, that kids could point to and say, that was a hit. That was That's a huge so hit. That's so frustrating. It's like, I'm not even... I mean, I am saying, like, I wish people could see this in theaters because it's good. But, like, even from the crude capitalist perspective, it's just like, Disney fucked up. They, had, they left money on the table. And no matter what way you slice it, I mean, I, I guess the earnings call thing they would say is, like, you know, we had a spike in subscribers on Turning Red Day, but like that is so fleeting in its own way and doesn't really mean anything. It's all investor speak. So 
it doesn't mean anything. It totally, you guys are right. It would have had a 20 to 30, maybe even 40 opening weekend because that's, that's what Pixar movies open to. Everyone just had cold feet because of that Omicron surge and whatever else happened that gave them cold feet. But the box office is back and you wouldn't fucking know it by the like by this month based on what they're putting out there. It's kind of a bummer. But then you look, I mean, you look at, we'll get through all these movies, but the Batman's hold, I mean, the top five movies, the the holds are 50% drop for a brand new blockbuster, then it's 17%, 15%, 10%. It all is going to show people want to go see something because they're, Seeing movies that have been out for a while, they're seeing stuff again. Dog is available to rent on VOD now. I'm I'm told, and people are still. It, it held 15. percent I mean, the, still the it's dog nuts. run. I mean, let's jump to that. We talked a little bit about the dog run with Scott Mendelson last week. We tried woof, woof. to get him to fully commit to the fact that Channing Tatum is a butts in the seats movie star. I think <laughs> the Lost City in a couple of weeks is really going to cement that. What crazy that. examples did he pull out of his brain to, to throw out when Channing Tatum was brought up? I mean, he, he <laughs> did bring up Broken City not working, which I completely forgot about. I mean, what that's why the he's fuck a legend. Is that? I have to Google what that is. It's a Mark Wahlberg movie that, that underperforms at the box office. And of course, he brought up White House Down, which was... Uh, the White House thriller that that grows less than Olympus, Olympus has fallen. That's he right. had that at yeah. his fingertips, but of course, the man, the legend. Yeah, I mean, we're, well, listen, you can't go toe to toe with him. You, know, you you could you could put one toe in the water and then he's going to cut it off. But that's right. With dog, I mean, this hold of of making five point two million in his fourth week. Dog is now up to forty seven point six million. I think it's got a real shot at hitting 60 domestic at some point. It's definitely at least going to be in the mid-50s. I think so. Brett, where is your – you and Clayton talked to – where are we right now with Channing Tatum as a, as, as a movie star and this dog run? How how impressed are you by the dog run, Brett? I'm super impressed by the dog run. I think like you guys, like no one really saw this coming, right? Like – Everyone, I saw the poster. I hadn't even seen the TV spots or trailers, but from the poster, I definitely got the vibe that this was like a family movie that Channing Tatum was making. And I would argue after seeing it that it's not really like a super kid friendly movie. It's fine for kids, but like it's definitely more adult themed. It's, I appreciated how like. Of how how of, first of all he directed it and it's a very nice looking movie. He has a co-director, so it's not all him. But Channing Tatum, not only do I think he's like a star in front of the camera, I think he was a very competent director. I'm like looking forward to whatever he does next. Um, but in terms of why this movie's has such a crazy hold, I think it has something to do with the word of mouth. People saying like, yeah, that movie's better than I expected, or it might even be like a self fulfilling prophecy of it having that good opening weekend and now everyone is like chasing after it to go see it after hearing that it did well. You know what I mean? Well, that's the benefit of box office is that box office. That's the benefit of putting movies into theaters. Yeah. Box office success becomes its own marketing tool. The fact that dog had that great opening weekend that became a draw to get more people to see it. Whereas I mean, listen, here's the 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 alternate universe where Dog is a Netflix movie and people <laughs> snark yeah. tweet about it for three days 
and maybe it's in the Netflix top 10 for one day behind the bench warmers or whatever is, is like you Coco know. Melon or something. Right. And then no one ever thinks of Dog ever again. And Dog is never on TBS in the middle of the afternoon. And you'll have a day six months from now when zero people will watch Dog. As opposed, luckily, the universe we live in, Dog is a box office hit, and Dog yeah. maybe is going to be shown at a school one day when a teacher comes in hungover and doesn't want to teach. <laughs> well, exactly. you could you could do that because it is about the traumatic experience of being a soldier. You've got a dog, of, uh, which is family-friendly, the fact that a dog exists in this movie. It hits some of those things that gets the church buses there, mm-hmm. but it's not... It doesn't have your normal lower level C level actors in it. It has a A list star, someone who's climbed back to that wrong, I believe, in Channing Tatum. And I think this is going to be the question is it more the dog or Channing? That's what we're having to deal with right now. Was this mm. because there's a dog in it? Is it because it's called Dog? Dog movies do really well. I think. Like we've said, The Lost City is going to make it so that we can say it was more Channing than it was the dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, then will people be the will be test. saying, is it the city? Well, they'll be saying, is it Sandy? <laughs> right, right. People do love Sandy. Sandy is a pretty dependable bo- uh, 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 movie star in that regard, except for like my our brand is Crisis or like the handful I can think of that didn't hit. All about Steve. Yeah. Which which Scott Mendelson did immediately go to our brand is crisis, but I mean Sandra Bullock. I mean we'll, we're going to be covering the hell out of the Lost City in a few weeks, but I, I have high. We both have high high hopes for that. Possibly a twenty five million dollar opening weekend, maybe higher. There, there's a good chance of that, and then I think at that point, Channing Tatum, he is a butts in the seats movie star. Even Scott Mendelson would have to go along with that. So what was the last studio comedy? Like that's what I'm racking my brain to think of in 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 the wake of the lost city. Well, it's it's you know the 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 big uh va- the big variable is do we consider free guy a comedy? Uh I no, but if, I guess. <laughs> if free guy is a comedy, then that's the last successful studio comedy that I could think of. I mean I I'm talking like a like a like a blockers right. or a or a what's that other one that came out around blockers that was also good. Well, game like night. game night. Yeah, yeah. Those are all years old at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think in the post-pandemic box office, there has not been a full-on studio comedy. There's not been something that uh, uh, would have been a, a Jason Bateman vehicle. You know, or a yeah, horrible uh, bosses or like I- identity thief yeah. type of shit. Well, I guess uh, the one that I can think of is is "Marry Me" with Owen Wilson. It's not really oh, yeah. a comedy, but the, that's the closest. Where it's, it's like, I feel like we were like Vacation Friends would have been one, but that went straight to Hulu because that's what happens to Fox movies now. Yes, yes, yeah. That that that's a movie that me and Clayton talk about a lot. Where. If it came out now, Vacation Friends with John Cena could possibly open to fourteen million, and uh, leg its way to you know a fifty million dollar uh, total, possibly. Yeah. But uh, let's more. Is there anything else that we want to say about the second weekend of the Batman? I mean, 
One thing, and we're not going to give spoilers here uh, for this movie because there's obviously still a lot of people seeing this. The Batman is a Joker-free Batman movie. You know, it is the biggest movie star in the world, Sans Leo, is Joker. Joker is not one of the selling points of the Batman, and yet the Batman is still doing these kind of numbers, which is incredible. So, uh, well, I mean, can you say that with good conscience, what you just said? I mean, I know you don't want to spoil anything, but I think people know by now. I mean, he's not the main villain. All right. So let's throw this out there. Do we think that hints of Joker, just the possibility (laughs) of Joker is. Is that what did it? (laughs) Is that is that did that play a part? Does either of you want to jump in and jump in and say this is the. I'll let Clayton take it. What was that? I said, I'll let Clayton take that one. It didn't hoit. It uh, it can't hoit. It doesn't hoit. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't hoit. So you're saying you're saying Joker, this is a feather in Joker's box office cap. What did we do? Okay, me and Pat saw this movie Saturday night, last Saturday night. The weekend it came out. The weekend it came out. And we afterwards Googled Joker. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That was uh, oh, what I hope we you had did. safe search on. Immediately. Exactly. We did. We blocked 4chan. We blocked Reddit. We have all that blocked on our phones. But we immediately were, what's the deal? Who's this actor? What's going on here? Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, it was a selling point. Like Marvel, people want to see stingers. They want to see things that are exciting them for the next movie. And I think that played a part. That's yeah. interesting. I I mean, I'm very excited for who they chose. I don't want to spoil it in case people don't know. But yeah, I'm excited for what they're doing. Um, in terms of box office, I love the idea that inherent in every Batman movie is the promise of the Joker lurking somewhere. And I like that that's what you're saying is, is possibly in a- affecting the box office. And I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, sure. Why not? I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, you know what, Clayton? That is that is a great point because we. It's not just the quality. It's not just that there's nothing else in the theaters right now. The fact that the Batman had this insane hold, there have to be outside forces of chaos, and there's nothing that is an outside force of chaos uh, better than Joker himself. So yeah, I think we got to chalk some of this this second weekend up up to Joker, up to people who heard. Word on the speech street that Joker may or may not be in here somewhere. We're not going to spoil things. We're not going to say anything about what happened in this movie. But, yeah, that that could be the case. So I guess this hold is another feather in the cap of Joker as a box office star. Unbelievable. Not only a box office star, but, like, Academy Award winning role for two, two people. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Joker is a two-time Academy Award winner. I mean, you know, in the battle between Joker and Leo, right now, Joker has got Leo beating Oscars. And just the, oh, yeah. the mere hint of Joker is enough to have to cause this incredible second weekend for the Batman. Well, I have a question for you. I guess it's less of a question and more of a statement. I think the Batman 2, with now we know what's coming, that's going to be even bigger because the because the baked the, jo- the Joker is baked in now. Yes, yes. I mean that that was the the thought that going was the into Dark the Knight Batman, thing, right? Yeah. 
the thought going into the Batman was the comp was Batman Begins, which was not a huge opening weekend. I think it opened in the 70s or 80s mm-hmm. and, and made around 200 total. I think it opened in the 40s. It Batman might, yeah, Begins. It might yeah, have opened, it opened some, yeah, I think that's right. It might have opened that low. And then, of course, Dark Knight blew up because of Joker. And if that's going to be the case with these movies where, and again, we're not saying that Joker was in the Batman. Don't, you know, yell at us for spoiling. We're not saying anything like that. But if the Joker is going to be in the next Batman movie, you're right. It's definitely going to be way bigger than this, the Batman box office. So that's a movie that could open Marvel size. That movie could open 250 like an Endgame. Pat, can I say something real quick? Just because we are the Beale Boys, correct? Yes, of course. We talk about the business. We talk about the elements of a film that make it successful. Mm -hmm. So I think our audience, Mm -hmm. the one of Beale Boys, the one of Beale Girls, the one of Beale people, can understand and not be angry fanboys Mm -hmm. when we have to talk about an element of a film that is propelling it at the box office. So us tiptoeing around whether Joker's in this movie or not, I think is being, I don't know, it's uh, it's undervaluing our audience. Okay. So we're just going to say Joker is at the end of this movie and Joker is the reason why the Batman made $66 million. Well, I mean, we're not going to go whole hog. <laughs> that's why. Yes. Well, but it's an element. It's a you, element. You, you trapped me. I didn't trap you, but I said it's an element and it's a reason of many reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do think that, like, I, I, I believe Brett said it, the essence, maybe the hint, the hint of Joker, which is a great cologne if they ever want to put that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a whiff of Joker is also terrible, a good though, idea. Yeah. Oh, it's going to smell awful. No one will want to be around you. And that will be the point. But I do think that that is a powerful element of why this movie is hanging on and doing as well as it's doing. Um, So anything else we want to say about the Batman opening weekend? I mean, it's a huge win for Robert Pattinson. His quote is going to be through the roof. Doing well on the weekend. I mean, this thing has made $465 worldwide in however many days, two weeks. Wow. It could be a billion-dollar baby like Joker. It could be a billion dollar baby. Is is China in play yet? Has the Batman opened in China? Do we know that? That's a great question. I don't I do not believe it has. It has not opened in China. I mean, yet. if it has it opened in China, not that it's gonna make hundreds of millions there, but that could always pad the stats a little bit as it goes towards being a billion dollar baby. Um, you know, listen, we're gonna be following this, but this is just a a success beyond anything anyone could have hoped for. And again, uh, the fifty percent drop is just—it's. I don't want to say historic, but it's kind of historic. At it least feels for this year. historic. Fifty percent for a huge blockbuster like this that already made a hundred and thirty-four, whatever it was, yeah. opening weekend. Like that's whoo. Yeah, it's incredible. A um, couple other holdovers. I mean, Uncharted with another the, amazing that, hold. That Only Tom Holland 17%. holding on. Made another nine million. This movie's now up to one thirteen domestic. Um, Brett, any any hot takes here on the Uncharted box office? Have you seen the film? Do you yes. understand its success? I've seen the film and I definitely understand its success. I gave it the like shruggy emoji two and a half out of five pass. That was like it's good enough, but I wish it were better. 
Um, it's one of those things where I definitely had a good time. All, my ass is in the seat for the sequel. But, you know, watching that movie, all I could think is like, well, if they had Tom Cruise in this, they would actually be flying around on a giant pirate ship right now instead of like really poorly done Tom Holland's in the soundstage green screen. But, you know, the movie delivers where it needs to. And I'm not surprised to see it. I guess I'm a little surprised at how well it's doing. Just like, I mean, it's snuck to 100 million Ameri- uh, domestic. Where is it at worldwide? I think it's like 300. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'm a little surprised. Um, this is a movie that's been in, not in production, but in like pre-production and was had different scripts and different directors attached for like what feels like a decade now. So it is always f- it's always fun when those actually pay off. Like Sony was onto something with that. Um, but yeah, uh, on my podcast, we joked about what if the, the element that is taking Spider-Man to the stratosphere is not the character, but it was Tom Holland. And that joke has kind of become reality, I think. Yeah, which is, it's nice when jokes become reality. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's definitely a reality that Joker himself loves the most when jokes become reality. And yeah, he's a he's a twisted guy. He is. He is. But he's a movie star. And Tom Holland is a movie star. I mean, I I agree that. Do you see it? Uncharted? Like you're. Do you, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, do you see him as a movie star yourself? Like, I know the world sees him as a movie star, but do you, the B.O. boys, are we, you pro We Holland? were make Listen, we've. And Clayton is. He's revving up because he, he he's making sure that I don't go too far in this. What I'm saying <laughs> here. And I think the B.O. boys as a as a unit, as a corporation, as a brand, as an entity, our stance is Tom Holland is at the beginning stage of possibly making a legacy for himself as a Butts in the Seats movie star. Uncharted is a huge, huge step in that direction because you can't say a IP like Spider-Man is part of being a, a butts in the seats movie star. You know, that that's you can't make that case. The Chris's are not movie stars. You know, that that's that would be silly. But Uncharted, even though it's based on a video game, it's honestly seems like a movie that is an original IP to most people. It yeah. seems like it's a role that most people on the planet just assume is a new character. This movie is a success very much in part because of Tom Holland. So I think he needs more of these. He needs more Spider-Man or non-Spider-Man hits. But I'm going to say he is very much on his way to having a chance at being a Butts in the Seats movie star. Clayton, did I word that correctly? Are you okay with that? Perfectly. You hedged everywhere that needed to be hedged. I (laughs) I am famously very strict when it comes to who I call a movie star – and who is just famous or a celebrity or a person in movies. And I think Tom Holland, again, like you said, Pat, has a very good chance if he picks the right roles, if things fall the way they could fall for him. It's all about the material that's non-superhero for him. Right. If he gets I mean, some of those- you guys were doing this show when he had the huge bomb that opened- uh, Right when COVID chaos like, walking, right, right when theaters opened up, chaos walking. Yeah, we we like, don't. We're in the school of the the talk of him being box office poison for anything other than Spider Man is massively overblown. Because when you look at the case study 
A lot of his films came out in less than ideal situations. Also, he did try to go too serious too fast with the Apple Plus movie, Cherry. Oh, yeah, Chirk. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, the Devil movie on Netflix that nobody watched or cared about. Oh, yeah. Uncharted is, I believe, his first actual starring shot at a big movie, and he succeeded. Yeah, it big swing, and it wasn't a miss. He fucking connected. Yep. And the thing is, he's got a specific type of fan base. He has got the young people, the tweens, the teens, you know, both male and female, and uh, everything in between. He has got... The youngsters in his corner, they're going to grow up with Tom Holland. And he's non-threatening and sexy in the way that a teen thinks, which is that he seems nice. So he has got a specific (laughs) fan base that really loves him, which is important. Because as we'll see with the new entrant into the top five, having that young fan base is a huge, huge, huge part of drawing people into the movies Number three, BTS, Permission to Dance, made $6.8 million, and you don't have a more wrapped young fan base than BTS. I mean, I'll throw this out first. Did either of you know that this was possibly going to happen, that there was a BTS concert movie? I assume it's a concert movie. I mean, it could be a drama. I don't know. I don't know anything about this movie. (laughs) But did either of you know this was going to happen? No. No. Absolutely not. And I'm looking it up now, and it appears it was a one-night-only Fathom event-style thing. It was not a Fathom event, but it was a something event. So it made $32.6 million from 3,700 theaters and 75 worldwide markets. So that's insane for wow. a one-time showing. Wow. Now, around Christmas, we had another Fathom event that came out of nowhere and went top five. And I feel like... What was that? It was a, a, it was a Christian show. I was going to guess, yes. made a movie. If it was a Christian thing. Yeah. yeah. It was The Messenger. Was- yes, it was like The Messenger. It was a, it was a movie about the production of a like Stations of the Cross concert, something like oh that. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay. it, so anyway, those kind of things mm-hmm. we're seeing break into the top five, into the top ten. That shows the strength of people leaving their house and going to a theater. Something like this, making $6.8 million dollars. Why would you not put Turning Red in the theater when a BTS concert for one (laughs) night makes almost $7 million domestically? That is insane. That is insane to me. It's fully insane. Uh, I mean, good for them. They did it. They got a concert film. I love that, like, the awareness... it, It speaks to their fandom, though. That, like, the awareness for, I guess, quote, unquote, normies who don't know this stuff is not... is zero. But, like, clearly awareness for the people who wanted to see it was 100%. They were there. The Army were, were able to figure out this intelligence. They're, they call themselves the BTS Army, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so the intelligence was there. They knew where to go and uh, where to strike. And they did. And it was a successful, you know, mission accomplished, I would say. Mission accomplished for the BTS Army. They should just put up a sign on whatever aircraft carrier they have, they own. 
Um, and I think that is, yeah, I mean, that is the power of a fan base and that's the power of a something directed specifically at a demo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I love that we didn't know that this was coming because A, we're rarely surprised at all by box office. You know, we're all students of the game, lifelong. So it's nice to have something that could still catch us unawares. And it's nice to know that the young people out there and young people have been really driving the box office post-pandemic. The, the oldsters have been the ones slower to come back. But it is really nice to see that the theatrical experience means so much to people so young because BTS bringing in $6.8 million for one night showings, it really goes to show, yeah, BTS is popular, but those young people specifically wanted to be in a movie theater. You know, this is not going to die with our generation. I mean, the B.O. boys are going to live for a long, long time. But down the road, when we pass on, the theatrical experience does not die because the BTS fans are invested. And uh, that's such a great sign. They wanted to see it with each other. They wanted to see it with people that they didn't know that enjoy the same thing that they enjoy. Wow, how... What a concept. What a concept, yeah. right? Which some some studios aren't realizing. There's always going to be kids who want to get away from their parents. Being online is one thing, but they're still in a room that is surrounded by parental people or guardians mm-hmm. who want to inflict the rules on them. And when they say, I'm going to the movies, the rules are out the window, baby, because mm-hmm. you told them, I'm going to this place, I'll be home at this time, and it's just whatever you want to do at this theater. Yep. And if it's scream and cry and wet your pants watching BTS, or if it's you want to uh, see a panda go through puberty, like in Turning Red... <laughs> Oh, wait, you can't do that at the theater. That's right. You couldn't. You had to sit at home <laughs> because with we're your parents. a major motion picture studio that couldn't be bothered to put our movie into theaters. Yeah. Instead, your parents are breathing down your neck watching this the, this movie about a panda going through puberty. How awkward is that? Yeah. Of all of all the stories that a young person might want to be in a dark room, you know, not by themselves, but but in a quiet place with our parents not sitting on the end of the end of the couch, turning red is that experience and it's denied to them. It's yeah. denied to them. I mean, this BTS uh, uh, opening weekend also shows, again, like you said, Clayton, the possible power of these Fathom and Fathom-esque events. You know, movie theaters really need to be and it's not just up to the theaters. Obviously, the the studios and the content creators have to bring them that material. But movie theaters really need to capitalize on this kind of stuff more. Get these big one-night, one-weekend events in theaters. Give people something, especially if Disney is not going to be the ones to do it. They're going to send everything to Hulu and Disney+. Plus. We're, we're going to have to find other sources of, uh, of uh, uh, theater showings. And, you know, Fathom and the Fathom-esque companies, they, they got to keep pumping stuff out there. There's a huge opening out there. If Disney doesn't want to fill these screens, Fathom could fill these screens. So moving on, I don't think there's anything else in this top five, top ten that we really need to go into. I think it's worth noting that maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like the first time in a long time where the top five was like all movies that made more than a million dollars. Or like maybe that started happening at the beginning of COVID, but 
or maybe it's the top 10. There's some crazy stat like that I was looking at where I was like, oh, this feels like a healthier box office now than it was a while ago, back when the war with grandpa was was in there every week. I mean, the war with grandpa was, it was a long war. It was a costly war. It was a war the B.O. boys were right in the middle of. Go back. You know, we, we, we covered the war with grandpa probably for about three or four months straight. We did an episode where we did a book versus movie. How did the, the movie hold up versus the original novel? We covered the war with grandpa and uh, we came out oh, on the other side. It's, it's, and it's we'll be there for the sequel. It's based on a book, that film? It is based on a book. Clayton read the book, and then we watched the movie, and Clayton did a movie versus book uh, comparison on air. Oh, man. I'll have to listen to that. I'm assuming they took some creative liberties. They did, but not as many as you would think. It is a, It was a, a, pretty, a pretty loyal adaptation. I think we, our big thing was readers of the book would definitely be happy with the film The War with Grandpa. Uh, well, De Niro did not slap the grandchild the way that the grandfather did in the book. So mm-hmm. that is one of the big changes. But mm-hmm. other than that, it was pretty How much... How graphic is it described in the book? Uh, it's a few chapters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, listen to the episode. It's actually, it's great. I'm, it's our... I, I'm going to run to do that. That yes. sounds amazing. Um, but yes, you're right. The The... Overall, top 10 just is so much healthier now than it's been in so long. And the the thing, too, is you look at this top 10 and most of these movies, you know, barring a death on the Nile is going to go down as a bomb. Um, you know, the BTS movie and Radhi Shyam, those are outliers. But these are mostly successful movies we're looking at in this top 10. I mean, other than... Other than Death on the Nile, there's not really a studio-released bomb in here. And even that one will clean up internationally okay. Like, I know it's so expensive that it's probably going to just break even, but it's already at, like, 125 if you you count a foreign. I mean, it's not going to make any more than, like, whatever it's at now here. And and the hold is pretty good. It only dropped 12%, which, again, shows people want stuff to see. It's better than the last one. I didn't love it either, but it's definitely better. It's an improvement on the first movie, which is rare, you know? So, Brett, we've we've already mentioned this a bunch of times, but Turning Red went yes. to, of course, Disney Plus exclusively this past weekend, but it did open in three movie theaters in the entire United States. So, first of all, why did Disney put it in any movie theaters, if it was going to put it basically in no movie theaters, what is the reason for this three? Was it a Oscar consideration? Yeah. Okay, Clayton. Awards. Yeah, it's an Oscar qualifying run that I feel like they usually do like a one night only showing at like one theater in LA, like the El Capitan that they own or something. And then it's usually that's it. But for some reason, um, they decided to put this one in that whatever one theater in LA, one theater in New York City, the AMC Empire 25, which I frequent. And then I've also heard it's in San Francisco. I believe that is the third theater. Um, but yeah, definitely an Oscar qualifying thing. And like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, yeah, we'll put it in those three, but like they couldn't be bothered to do it elsewhere. I, I, I you know, we've talked about it at length about why it doesn't make sense, but in terms of how do we think this movie may have done based on me going to see it at the Times Square AMC, I went hilariously. I thought it would be fun for the podcast instead of going at 3 p.m. because I wanted to take a nap instead after work. 
I went to the 10 p.m. on a Friday night, opening night, expecting that it would be dead because it's a kid's movie. But the demand for Turning Red was so damn high, there were families filling that whole theater. There was like a 150-seat theater that was almost full at 10 p.m. on a Friday. Wait, okay, so, so this, this is incredible. So... 150 seat theater, you would say almost full. So let's say 120 would, people. Yeah, yeah, 120 people, and that was at 10. And oddly, because they have the Batman playing like every 10 minutes at AMC Empire, and like the opening weekend they had it going all night, and actually the second weekend they still have it going all night. So just for fun, they threw like there was an 11:15, an 11:30, and a midnight turning red, and I would, and it was hilarious to see. I have I have on my phone the screenshots. They're all they were all empty as of 10 p.m. that night when I went and saw mine. Okay, so that's not indicative of anything other than they're over programming it because they are just open anyway. But I checked throughout the day, and every screening of Turning Red, they have three screens of it at uh, AMC Empire 25 uh, of varying sizes. Two are big, one's pretty small. Every single showing that was a normal time during the day was also, if not sold out, at least three quarters full. So there's clearly a demand for people to see this movie. I'm curious how these people even found out that it's playing here. There's zero marketing spend to, to tell people that. So it's either you're extremely online and you're on Twitter and you know, or you just happen to be at the theater and you pick, which is like a phenomenon that I understand exists, but I never go to movies that way, so it blows my mind that people do. But also, it's Times Square, so... You have to factor in that, like maybe the, all those people are tourists, right? And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. But it was interesting. 10 p.m. on a Friday, turning red, packed That's, house. So, so was it? Was it? It was mostly families, or was I was it shocked. There were a handful. I would say there was like 15 to 20, like teenage to like junior high to high school age kids who like you know, did a couple ad libs that they thought were funny during mm-hmm. the movie, like that type of crowd. Right. But mostly uh, parents with their younger kids. Like there were a lot of, you know, it was almost like when I accidentally went and saw Monsters University on opening morning, I was like, it'll be, it won't be packed at 8 a.m., this weird 8 a.m. showing they have. And of course, there was full, was full of children. Um, and it was very loud because it's, you know, a kid's movie and kids are kids. Uh, well, those so, yeah, kids have been up it, since 6 a.m. Right. And now it was so it was just odd to be at a movie at 10 p.m. and have like the people shushing their kids. I was like, ah, people take people want to see Turning Red. Wow. So so let's let's do some some quick math there. So in that theater, 120 people will say, would we say is the average ticket price at a AMC? Is it is it twenty dollars? Did you pay? $20? I would say for that one, since we're like there's going to be kids in there. Let's say $18 or something. Okay. So $18 times uh, 120. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into. It's like uh, 2000 bucks. Yeah. So 2000 bucks and they're showing it. What? Four times a day. And those other. No, they're showing it like 12 times a day because of three screens. Wow. So, oh, right. Right. So yeah, it's like 25 grand, 20, $26,000 a day conservatively. Right. And then, and then that's for three theaters. You you would say that what there were probably would have been three thousand theaters in a normal opening weekend. Mm-hmm. 
So do we times that by a thousand? Are we looking at is that a twenty-six million dollar opening weekend just based on that quick math? I got lost in the numbers, so I just want to say yeah. Yeah, I think that would be twenty. Clayton is shaking his head. That oh, I'm so. I mean, I got lost too. You uh, got uh, lost yeah, in yeah. the math. That yeah, because I, I, saying- I was really keeping up with it on my calculator for a minute. I was like, yeah, yeah. So we had twenty six thousand is what we said would be for one day, right? Yeah. So times a thousand theaters. That is yes. Then that becomes yeah. that becomes. I mean, 20- that's and and that's only a th- why a thousand. Like, why aren't you saying should we times it by like four, three thousand? Yeah, it should be. Isn't if that- it's if it's a Pixar movie, it's going to be opening in almost four thousand theaters. Yeah. Right. So well, like, I'm you, saying because we're counting as three theaters, or is that one? Oh, because of the, that was three screens at one theater. I always forget if it's screens versus theater, which is technically the one they use. Right. I think they use screens, so I think you would times it by a thousand. So I think that's twenty six million dollars. I think that why sounds a, about why right. a thousand is my question. Because three screens, so if it's three thousand screens, oh oh oh, I'm dumb. You're right. Yeah, okay. yeah, got it. Yeah. So yeah. I, so I think I think that just based on that, that's twenty six million. Except that's one day, right? Yeah. So then times three, actually, then it's seventy eight million dollars. I know it's huge. It seems crazy, but and like of course this is anecdotal and extrapolating and that wouldn't be how it performs across the country uniformly but it speaks to the fucking point that they would have made some money right a good amount of money i think what we can do because they've given us no other choice you know they they, (laughs) they've given us no choices we can go out there and say turning red based on (laughs) our math based on the reporting of brett arnold from the new flesh Turning yes. Red would have made $78 million in a three-day opening weekend, and Disney didn't take that money, and more importantly, Bob Chapek of Disney left that money on the table. Let him answer to his board. Let him answer to his stockholders. Let him answer to his God that he left $78 million reported by the New Flesh and the B.O. Boys. He left that on the table for the opening weekend of Turning Red. He's going to have to answer for that because... The math seems clear enough to us. It, yes, it, we it, had no problem doing that math, as evidenced on the show. And uh, yeah, put that on the Wikipedia page for this movie, please, yeah. somebody. And can I take this further? Sure. And make course. it even more damning? Yes. So, Brett, thank you for going out there when you did and seeing this film at the time you did. But yeah. I'm sitting here disgusted. Mm-hmm. And I'm not disgusted by you, Brett. I'm disgusted by the fact that they had showings of this film a family film at midnight mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'll tell you why even 10 is too late mm-hmm. and to force families to go out that late with their kids because number one let's talk about the kids health kids need a lot of sleep they need routine they need to go to bed at a certain time every night now listen it's a weekend so maybe they get to stay up a little bit later we're talking nine, 10, they're tucked away 10 o'clock, that movie's not even starting. You're looking at previews. So these kids at the 10 o'clock aren't even getting home probably till 12.30, 1 a.m. Right. Okay? Which is going to disrupt their sleep. They're growing. They need that. Okay. So Disney is threatening people's health by limiting the times and the amount of theaters that Turning Red is in. 
Their kid is screaming, looking at the show times. I, we're going at 1130. It's it's empty, and that's what I want. That's yep. how kids are, right? Yeah. Because the kid doesn't know how much the kid needs sleep. A kid's natural inclination is to fight sleep. So they're going to love going to a 12 a.m. showing. But like you said, Clayton, it's going to hurt them down the line. When that kid turns 30, he's not going to know why he's so sick, but it's because he had to go see <laughs> Turning Red at midnight. And the reason that... All that these few theaters that have turning red, the reason they're showing 1 a.m., 2 a.m. showings is because they have to maximize the little amount of turning red that they're given. If a movie theater, if if turning red was just in 3,000 screens and was going to be out there for weeks and all these theaters, you know, AMC knew, oh, we're going to have plenty of turning red, the latest showing would be your nine o'clock showing or so. The yes, only reason if this it, was a normal release, you're right. It wouldn't even go past nine. I right, think you're right. Right. So all of these kids who are being dragged out to middle of the night showings because that's all there is. And when they get sick, again, that is on Bob Chapek. That mm-hmm. is on his head. The $78 million they didn't get for the opening weekend, that is on Bob Chapek's head. These kids who are getting no sleep because they have to see a 1 a.m. turning red and they get sick either now or down the line, become unhealthy adults, that is on Bob Chapek. 100% agree. Yeah. So uh, I think the the only other bit of news to go over real quickly here is what Warner Brothers did last week, shuffling around a lot of their 2022 movies. So I'm going to try and make sense of this, and then we could go over uh, exactly what the ramifications are. The... First big move is that the Black Adam movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson was supposed to come out at the end of July, and now that film is postponed to October 21st, 2022. So then to fill that position, the DC League of Super Pets was moved from May 20th to July 29th. So that takes the Black Adam spot. Then Shazam 2 a.k.a. Shazam! Exclamation point, Fury of the Gods, has been moved from June of 2023 into this year. It's now opening December 16th, 2022, which I think is against Avatar. But then two movies that were supposed to come out from DC in 2022, The Flash, which was the Flash movie that was going to have all the Batman in it, was going to have Michael Keaton in it, I, I think that's official, right? That wasn't just a rumor. Oh, yeah, he's in it. He's in it. So that Flash movie, that's been moved out to 2023. And Aquaman 2, a.k.a. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, was, to co- was supposed to come out in December this year. Instead, it has been moved out to 2023. So after all that, um, do we feel like... What is going to be the effect of all these moves? I mean, my first thing I'll throw out there is Black Adam moving from the end of July. I know the DC League of Super Pets has moved into that spot, but I do feel a little pang of sadness that such a big movie is being moved off the summer slate. You know, that DC League of Super Pets is moving from May to July. There's nothing really covering DC League of Super Pets in May. And then Black Adam has moved out of July. I I just hate to see, especially now when we're really getting our legs underneath us and the box office is coming back strong, I hate to see big summer movies move away. So that's my first thing. What do you guys think about Black Adam moving out of July to October? 
DC League with Super Pets moving from May to July. Any big thoughts there? Well, I mean, I'll say real quick that I think that as long as the the audience is educated as to why these moves are happening, mm-hmm. it's VF effects. It's uh, it's the fact that there's a big backlog because everybody wants their effects done, and there was a lot of closings. We are moving out of the pandemic. the The fear is that people are going to have that Pavlovian response to a movie moving that. Oh no! They, what do they know that we don't know? What's going to happen? What's the new variant? All those things, and this is purely just a brass tax kind of. We need to finish these movies, and we are we want more time to do it. And I think as long as people know that they listen to Bo Boys, they listen to the New Flesh, they will know those things. And so, I still, you know, even just in a like very knee jerk feeling that I get. Uh, when I hear of moves, it frightens me. Right, right, right. Because we remember where we were back in March 2020 when we were announcing all of these big moves, when we had to come on air as the B.O. boys and say, Bond has moved. When we had to come out and say, F9 has moved. It, it just naturally takes us back to that place. We remember what happened after that. So it's natural when you hear Black Adams moved and you hear that Shazam is moving. Well, you hear that Aquaman's moved. It gives you that feeling of, oh, my God, is it happening again? So I think, yes, it's very important. We say right now that Black Adam moving does not mean there is a new variant. That That is the main thing to take away. Black Adam has not moved because of a new variant. Yeah, it seems like they just got ahead of themselves and announced a bunch of dates for things that were not going to be ready. And it sounds like what Clayton says is true, like a lot of VFX delays. And they're still saying COVID-related delays, which means what you're saying. Like, it could be anything like that, like bottlenecks for supply chains of things that aren't aren't there. But yeah, it seems like the VFX shots are really what the issues are. It's It's so interesting to see all these things come to a head like i just read that you know the vinyl supply chain is an issue right now like artists can't get their stuff released on vinyl because everyone's you know working at the same plant and it's uh it's i feel like it's all the same thing just at the at the box office interesting interesting and it, it, but when you say something the thing is with these companies when they say something's covid related people assume that it means covid is the the actual uh, uh, you know, disease, yeah, is still prevalent where it's, no, it's the repercussions from those, the, the COVID. And so that's the thing is when people hear that it's COVID related, that means something different to them. And I think it's up to us to educate them. It is. So there you go. So we could be disappointed that we're not getting the flash this year. We could be disappointed that we're not getting Aquaman 2 this year. We could be happy that we're getting Shazam 2 earlier than we thought. So I guess that means the Shazam movie maybe didn't have as many special effects or they're okay with the special effects being not that good because they moved it up six months. So It'd be great if it ended up looking like that leaked version of Wolverine Origins that was online. <laughs> Where yeah. it was just lines and uh, Deadpool at the, that last fight mm-hmm. was just really, really rudimentary line work. I would, I would see a Shazam movie that does have those effects not even in it. Well, I mean, that Shazam movie, I mean, the last thing uh, to talk about from that batch of moves is 
That Shazam movie is opening against Avatar 2. So what do we think is actually going to happen there? I mean, I feel like Shazam's going to have to move again because I, I never understood why Warner Brothers would open anything against Avatar 2. It, it um, just makes no sense to me. That's my bad. I actually, I think it's actually opening a week before Avatar 2. So it, Shazam! Fury of the Gods actually appears to have a week to itself before Avatar takes over. So does that make you think any differently about it? Well, I'm seeing, so Avatar 2 release date is December 16th, 2022. And then Shazam! 2 release date. Oh, I guess you're right. I don't know why I thought that. No, they're, yeah. they're both yeah, December 16th. It's, it's Oh, brother. Yeah, it's Aquaman a weird originally was going mean, to go against it. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? It's 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 really wild, but you know what? They're it, nightmare alleying it. They are nightmare alleying it, but with a movie that you would think uh, they had higher hopes for than Nightmare Alley. Yeah, I, I guess they hope that you know. I guess they're trying to flex their muscle, their DC muscle, and show that we're not scared of no Avatar. Shazam could make just as much money uh, against you or anybody else. And, you know, I feel like Shazam overperformed when it came out. But I feel like that was already so long ago. Like, are people going to show up for the... I mean, I don't know. I guess people are excited for DC properties. Yeah. So I'm sure they'll show up. Uh, But, I mean, you're going to have a lot of people doubling up that weekend then. Because people who want to see that will also want to see Avatar. mm -hmm, And that's always mm -hmm. tough. I mean, my prediction here is still Shazam will move. But Avatar Avatar might move, too. Avatar might move for the same reason some of these films move, because there's the the backlog. Or is it created by Cameron? Has Cameron taken all of the VFX houses and said, do this first, kind of like how all those Adele vinyls were somehow made when all these other independent artists couldn't get their vinyls made for a year. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. It's a, it's a big game of chicken and uh we'll be here to cover it and and uh and you know, eat whatever chicken survives, I guess. So, we'll geek it. We'll geek it. Yes. So, looking ahead to this upcoming weekend, the what is the biggest thing that is opening in wide release this weekend, Clayton? Is there It is the outfit. It is the outfit. So that is the thriller starring Zoe Deutsch and Mark Rylance. And Dylan O'Brien. And Dylan O'Brien of uh, of uh, Money Monster fame? Was he oh, in Money man. Monster? Money no. Monster. Is he not the Money Monster guy? The guy who, who tries to blow up the studio? Is that a different deal? And Dylan? cries when he fucks? Yes. Uh, I mean, he's the guy from the May, uh, the Scorch Trials or whatever. Gotcha, that guy. Okay. Oh, the 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 Maze Runner, the titular Maze Runner. Maze Runner, yeah. Which is then had a movie was the Maze Runner, the Scorch Trials or something, right? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, American Assassin. So that is the big movie opening this weekend. Um, it's interesting because Zoe Deutsch is someone who has been in a lot of movies, who seems like she's got a lot of notoriety but i honestly can't think of another movie where she was the first or second build person in a theatrical release is this her first true 
you know, I mean, she's been in Everybody Wants Some and and Dirty Grandpa, Dirty Grandpa. But this feels like a jump ahead for her. Her big star turn that she's had on screen is Zombieland Double Tap. Yes, yeah, that's yes. there's there's a, that's a rumor a that they're gonna spin off her character. Okay, but again, she is probably fifth or sixth build on that. Right. And so, yeah, I don't think she's been in a big movie as the draw. Right, right. And even here, I don't know if she's necessarily the big draw. Yeah. I mean, she's a big part of the trailer. So, guys, what I don't know what the draw is, though. Like, this seems like one of... I mean, this movie's not going to do well. Right, guys? It's tracking on uh, Box Office Pro at half a million to two million. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds so, about right. Yeah, the expectation wow. here is that this is going to do poorly. Wow. So we're talking, I was going to say, is this movie going to cry macho? Is this movie going to make under four, four and a half million? It we're wishes. looking at, is this movie a threat to something like Playmobil, the movie? Uh, we'll see. I mean, does does it make less than Studio 666 just a couple weekends ago? Ooh, it's yes. possible. Yeah. I think it will. I think it might. I mean, and why is that? Like, this is one of those movies that it feels... I'm not sure if this is the case. I have not looked into it. It feels like a movie that debuted at a festival like a year or two ago that got middling to bad reviews and is now getting like an obligatory release. That's the energy it has. And I don't know what if, if, if any of that's true. Yeah, it definitely does feel like it's a contractual obligation of a theatrical release, not so much a labor of love of a theatrical release. Yeah, it's it, it looks like one of those movies that falls between the cracks of, do people actually want to watch this, and is this an awards movie? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be an awards movie, so it is, uh, it's basically just going to be DOA at the theater. Yeah, absolutely. I see this in the lower tier of the, I mean, I do feel like this might not even crack a million. Wow. Do we think it has any chance of 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 at all challenging Oogie Loves? I wouldn't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Um because Studio 666, as bad as it did a few weeks ago, I mean, we looked at the all-time worst wide release openings, and it was nowhere near Oogie I Loves. I think it was like 15th or something. Yeah, it was yeah. like 15th on the list. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I it then it really does seem like the outfit is going to perform worse in Studio 666 because, listen, Mark Rylance has an Oscar, but he's he he's not a rock star with a fan base. You he's know, not a so. butts and seats, no. He's ne- definitely not butts and seats. So this is a movie, The Outfit, that feels like it would have made sense going straight to Netflix or Hulu. And then on the other side of that, here's a movie, maybe we could end with this, that really should have been in the movie theaters. Feels like... Such a movie theater experience. Deep Water, the yes. uh, the psychological, psychosexual sex thriller from Adrian Lyne starring Ben Affleck, who is a movie star, and Ana de Armas, who is someone who had her momentum halted by COVID. You know, when we talk about all the things that COVID did society, one of the things it did was to halt the rise of uh, Ana de Armas as a star. The two of them, they were dating when this movie was filmed. They could not bear to keep the relationship going long enough to see it come out. It's going to be on Hulu 
no movie theaters. Guys, what do we think about deep water going straight to Streamo instead of being something that people could have experienced together in a theater? This is exactly the type of movie that people complain does not get made anymore. A like mid-budget R-rated movie for adults. And it's such a bummer it's not coming out in theaters. A, because I think with the right marketing, it would have done fine. You have two huge... Well, Ben Affleck's a huge star. Anna de Armas is, oddly enough, kind of a huge star at the moment. I feel like because of the whole uh, paparazzi Ben Affleck situation made her like a household name to people who didn't know who she was, maybe. But... It's cra- It's another one of those things where this this movie is a casualty of Disney buying Fox, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. like, it was going to be a theatrical movie, and this is the first movie Adrian Lyons made in 20 years. Like, There's a lot of reasons like to put this on a poster, like why this is exciting to be in theaters. So it's a huge bummer it's on Hulu, and I actually have seen it. I have had a screener sent to me, wow. and after watching it, I am even more upset that it's not in a theater because it is the perfect movie. There are multiple scenes that would kill in a theater, and I would love to be in a room with strangers reacting to, you know, cucked Ben Affleck reactions and shit. Wow. It is it is a hoot, and I'm excited for people to watch it, but you're totally right. It is such a missed opportunity, another one, that you can lay at the feet of Disney, Bob Chapik. Wow. And and people complain also about the sexlessness of yep. major motion pictures at the theater. And even Not an the, issue here. Even to the point where people are saying, the Batman is really horny, right? I'm watching this movie and it feels like a horny Batman. If you think that's horny, then you <laughs> haven't seen an Adrian Lyons movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the kind of thing is that you want to see horny? We'll give you horny. And I feel like people are ready for horny. They're asking for horny. They don't even know what horny is anymore. They're so confused with all the Marvel and all the Star Wars. And with if Deepwater Water came out, I think it would have been a horny hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it would have been a hit. It's funny... There's also another, I don't want to get ahead, but there's another very horny movie coming out this weekend. Uh, and I think it, it would have been a fun double feature at the box office. You could have done Deepwater and Ty West's X, yes. which is a horror movie, but is definitely a horror movie that centers on a porn being shot and is every bit as sexy as that sounds. So it, do we know if X, is it getting a real theatrical release this it's weekend? Limited. It's limited. Okay. Ah. So. Okay. So it's not getting your two, 3,000 stream release, which seems like such a mistake, A, because put more stuff in the theater in general. People want to go see movies in the movie theater. But horror is, even in the worst of pandemic times, was mm-hmm. the closest thing to a surefire thing because young people are more apt to feel brave and go to movie theaters back even right in the middle of the pandemic. Definitely now. You know, young people would scream with jackass. They've been the ones getting us out of the doldrums of January. So you put a horror movie like X in two or 3,000 screens, it is going to, even with limited marketing, you know, I know X is not going to be the type of movie that gets Super Bowl ads and gets ads in the middle of, you know, the nightly news or whatever it is people watch. It's not going to get that, but just put it in 3,000 screens and people will go because it's horror and it's 
and it's got sex in it. I think the thing with that, though, is they might be pl- – this might be a platform play okay. because it's A24. Mm-hmm. They might be wanting to create a very good per-theater average mm-hmm. where people will Classic. see, oh, my goodness, what? This movie? Oh, my God, I got to see it. And right. they roll it out. And I think that is now that we're post-COVID in a way – I would have agreed with you if we were still dealing with COVID rules and restrictions and stuff like that. I would say, yeah, you got to just blast this thing out because you can't platform. Because we saw Liquor's Pizza, its oh. issue with platforming. It should have just gone wider sooner. Yeah. I think X can be a movie that platforms because I think the buzz could be really good. So, Brett, you saw X. Do you feel yeah. like that platforming strategy is going to work? Does this movie have the goods to create a buzz? Man, I, I mean, yes, I do think it has the goods to create a buzz, but I, I'm very, I can't think of a good example off the top of my head. I'm sure you guys could of like a platforming hit. Mm-hmm. So often it's just like we hear about these things and we're like, yeah, Focus forgot to put out Cyrano, oh <laughs> and now God. it's out in February or March even. And I just feel like anytime they overthink a release strategy, it's silly. And I just think you should put the movie out at the, you know, when. Uh, for the most people possible. I just, I don't know. I, I'm pretty wary of platform releases. But I guess with this one, they're right in that people are going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think people who see it, I think people are going to be more mixed than like full-on love. It's a very strange movie. Okay, It is much weirder than I thought it was going to be. It is definitely a straight horror movie, but it's also a, sat- I don't know if satirical is the right word. It's definitely funny. Okay. And has um, like a lot of it has a lot of big ideas. It takes a lot of big swings. Okay, it's a very ambitious, strange movie that doesn't quite feel like an A twenty four elevated horror movie. It feels more like a Ty West, uh, no budget horror movie. And I'm delighted that it exists and is getting a relatively reasonable release. Um, but I do wish it were were getting out wider. Like mm-hmm. if you have a movie where spoiler alert, this isn't really a spoiler. Uh, Britney Snow is nude in. You, if you can't sell that movie, you've got a problem. Wow. Well, that answers a question Clayton was asking before. Yes. Uh, obviously, you can't put that on a poster in a in a trailer. But yeah, that that is the type of thing that maybe that's why you platform a movie like this because you want information like that to start leaking out, to start getting out there, and and. It leads to those great holds in the, the second and yeah. third weekend. I hope it does. I really hope it does well. I think it's a it's a real hoot. I haven't liked a Ty West movie since his uh, breakout hit House of the Devil, mm-hmm. but I loved it so much. And I don't know if this is up there with that one, but it's definitely a great a great horror movie. Well, thank you for that Britney Snow information because I did just today duck duck go that information and could not find anything. So now oh, I'm yeah. getting the lowdown. I've got all the the Mr. Skin answers you need for this movie. That's great. Wow. So guys, is there are there any other theatrical releases coming out? Uma. You you just you just went past Uma. All right, give us give us the lowdown then, Clayton, on Uma. Well, Uma Oprah. It's not uh, this is different than Uma Oprah. No, it's a Sandra O. Oh, it's okay. a horror movie starring Sandra O. Oh. It is supposedly opening wide. It's a Sony Stage Six film. I mean, I think, Brett, you might know, do you know anything of this being the horror hound that you are? Oddly, no. I remember we've definitely, like, reported on this movie in the past when it was, like, in production. I just know it's, like, a Sam Raimi-produced horror thing. He occasionally does that. 
and it's going very under the radar and is getting a very obligatory just dump it out release with no promotion. So I'm not particularly... Um, I don't think it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Sandra O's in it. Dermot Mulroney's in it. Uh, it's interesting. I love when these rando horror movies sneak out. Did you guys cover Separation last year? We mentioned Separation, yeah, but it did not it probably do, did very badly. Yeah, it did not do well enough for because we we thought people would be too confused with it and a Separation. Yep, yep. They really didn't care about that movie, and like that's the same energy I feel here, where they're just kind of putting it out there and saying. You know, there's a movie in theaters, but we're not going to tell you what it is or that it's there. Very so it's little a, awareness. It's a possible um, but, empty man. Oh, man. Yeah. But that movie ended up being great. And I really wish they had. That was one of the weirdest Disney Fox casualties. That's like one of the real actual, I say casualties a lot, but like that one feels like a casualty. Like that's a great movie that got buried. Um Uma, that was a I, movie that came out in fall of 2020, but they didn't put it out in October 2020. They didn't put it. My memory is they put it into like theaters when they weren't open yet. Like you could see it in like Connecticut or whatever back right. in, when New York wasn't open. But, like they put it out and it was just, it, it did nothing. Like right. no, but, no awareness. Nobody saw it. And then it came out on VOD and everyone is championing it now. But, you know, I hope that's the case for Uma. I always want the horror movies to be good. But the fact that there's no buzz on this one and the new Flesh headquarters is not super aware of it. Um, Not super excited for it, but I will obligatorily roll out and see that this weekend along with the outfit. And it is rated PG-13, which is also not a great sign for a horror movie. Not that everything needs to be gore and and, uh, not nonstop sex and violence, but... PG-13, unless the movie's really good, that's going to be a a strike against it at the box office. Um, So, guys, looking ahead to this weekend, why don't we do our picks for what we think the top five is going to be this coming weekend? Again, some of those new movies, Uma and... and, uh, Limited release. We've got X. Well, that's it's wide, but it's it's Uma is wide. Uma is wide. Okay, so Uma is coming out wide, but with limited marketing. X is coming out in limited release, but with hopefully a lot of buzz. And then was there another the outfit? And the outfit, of course. All right. So with those as our three new movies, Clayton, why don't you start us off? What do you predict the top five will be this weekend? Well, I think the Batman goes for three. Yep. That's a slam doink. I think things stay pretty much the same. BTS is not going to be there because it was a one night only. So I feel like we're going to go one, the Batman, two, Uncharted, three, Dog, four, Spider-Man No Way Home. And here's the thing. Death on the Nile, it made 2.4. Can the outfit beat, I don't know, maybe 1.5 to beat it to number five? And I say it doesn't. I say we're looking at Death on the Nile at number five. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't think I could argue against that because Death on the Nile only dropped 12%. So if it does that again this weekend, it'll still end up making a little over $2 million, And the outfit is not going to make $2 million. So, yeah, I think I have the same top five. Brett, do you see anything sneaking into the top five or have you heard that bts is gonna do another (laughs) one night only showing of their movie that's the only way that that death on the nile doesn't end up sneaking back into five 
Clayton, do you have the number of theaters that X is opening in handy? Do they? I don't. I don't okay. have a theater count for X. I'm gonna go ahead, go out on a limb, and say it's gonna be enough to sneak X into the top five. I think I it'll be it. number five. That's so great. You had to do it, Brett Arnold of the New Flesh. You could not come on the Bo Boys and not predict that X was was gonna not get into the top five. You had to represent, and you did. I did. So that is it for this week. So, Brett, again, tell people where they could follow you, where they could listen to you, and what is coming up either in the recent past or coming up new on the new flesh. For sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Brett Redacted. Uh, the podcast is available wherever you get you po- your podcast. It's called The New Flesh Podcast. I very crudely titled it, I think, The New Flesh Horror Movies Horror Movie Podcast so I could get all the SEO goodness in there. Uh, le- this past week on the podcast, we covered two Fox movies that Disney decided to not put in theaters and go directly to Hulu as they are wont to do. They've, just, they've said they're going to do 10 of these movies a year. Uh, so we're co- we talked fresh and no exit, both of which are on Hulu right now. And then next week we're talking uh, the aforementioned X and Deep Water. Wow! I mean that is perfect synergy because we talked a lot about the possible box office for X, and we talked about how D- uh, Deep Water should be in the movie theaters on this episode. And you move over, you subscribe to the New Flesh, and you can hear Brett and Jesse talk about the actual movies. That is such an experience. Uh, I can't imagine anyone who wouldn't want to listen to this episode and then the next new flesh back-to-back. Thank you guys so much. I have to have you on the new flesh. You guys got to live the horror lifestyle with me. Oh, we're we're definitely going to be there. We we are very selective about the guest appearances that we make on other podcasts, but you guys, you you clear the bar for sure. You're getting some B.O. boys. I can't wait. We're very excited. And uh, so, and of course, you could reach the BO Boys by emailing us at the BO Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you think you had a reason that we didn't cover for why the Batman had such a great second weekend hold. One thing that I just want to point out from a wannabeo boy read emailed us saying that he has seen that uh, HBO has already announced that the Batman will be premiering on Saturday, April 23rd on HBO. I don't know if that's HBO or HBO Max only, but that is very strange. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it, it is it is odd that they would let us know that so early. Let it stay theatrical exclusive longer, but that is our plan. It doesn't seem to be mattering at all. People are going to the movies, but <laughs> yeah. thanks to Reed for pointing that out. Thanks, of course, to all of our Awesome listeners for the emails, the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. And Clayton, we got nothing else to say. Nothing else to say except for until next time, we'll we'll smell smell you at the box office. Nailed it.